Welcome everyone once again to your favorite show, the start of the brand new week, Below Average Joe's back in your life on this Monday. I just pulled an aerial intro right there. I don't know. What it I liked it. Too, been watching too much of his content, I guess. <laughs> um, but we're here we're to give you guys the recap of the weekend. UFC Vegas. 54. Insert, insert number here. Uh Bellator, London, Bellator 281, whatever you want to call it. Uh, a lot to go over. Just, I mean, the fights were overall pretty good across the board. Yeah. There was yeah. some disappointments. The UFC main event obviously ending in a pretty disappointing fashion. The Bellator main event ended up being kind of a, the, mm-hmm. I think there was more to talk about in terms of the scoring of that fight rather than the actual fight itself. But we'll talk <laughs> yeah. about all of that. And then some, and it's, uh, there's some potential here, Dominic. I think there might be some disagreements today between the two of us, if I'm being honest, just because. Oh boy. Uh, I, I I haven't quite been. I, I don't. I don't know. It just feels like. I don't know if you noticed this, but it felt like there was a lot of people that I even trust and respect their opinions on the sport, who were very divided over certain things across this weekend. Yeah, that's um, true. So because of that, there might be a chance that we break up after this episode. What do you think about that? As long as we bring it back together by Thursday, baby. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll be outside Dom's house with the, 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 the whatever they call those things now, the the stereo, I guess. Or... <laughs> yeah, yeah, throwing rocks at my window. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Dominic, how are you feeling? New week, new man, new show, new content, all that. All of it and more, man. It's just another week. This MMA game just keeps on going and going. The wheels keep rolling. Uh, there's so much to cover in this game, and uh, I'm so excited to sit down and chat. Obviously, great fights, weird controversies, splits between the community. As Noah's already said, it's going to be a fun one. Um, yeah, and it was a good weekend, man. Good company and uh, good fights. How was your weekend? Are you ready to get this week going? It was a good weekend. Again, the fights all pretty much deliver like there was no real across both shows again the main events notwithstanding which i know that is kind of like the big selling point but the rest of the fights were pretty good so yeah yeah like i never really was bored by anything yeah like the bellator main event was kind of boring but also i had a plus 771 parlay (laughs) depending on that fight to go the way it did so i was pretty into that and really just a lot of takeaways across the board, so it's hard to beat. I mean, really, for a weekend that I didn't expect much out of, it, I, I would say it lived up pretty amicably there. So um, before we get right into it, though, Dominic, I want you to remind everyone where they can find us on social media. Of course. So obviously, if you're watching this on YouTube and you see our pretty faces, be sure to drop a like, uh, subscribe to the channel, ring the bell so you never miss an episode. If you're listening on audio, give us a follow there, give us a rating. Social media, above my head, if you can see us, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and now TikTok, at BAJ underscore MMA podcast. Me personally, at decently 14 And last but not least, this gorgeous gentleman over here, Noah, on Twitter, on Instagram, at NT Baker underscore. Well said, Dominic. And with that, we head back to the apex, where Poland... Bam. Was rocking. Poland takes over the. Apex. They did. They did. Uh, for this main event that saw Jan Vlahovic get a third round, technically, <laughs> t- 
technically TKO. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, over Alexander Rakic in round three, a minute 11 in. Now, this happened due to a apparent knee injury for Rakic. Mm. Uh, the, it looked yeah. like probably ACL related. The knee just... Yeah, not good. Knee looked like it kind of just exploded on Exploded, him. yeah. And uh, he was done. Just yeah. done fell to the mat. Um, but... We do have some stuff to talk about here, Dominic. So first off, I want to get your thoughts on the fight, how the fight was going. Obviously, you had money on Rakic. Well, we both did, but my my parlay was already done with Jake yeah. Hadley. We'll talk about that later. But I do, since you did have money on this, I know it hurt a little bit more because you had Rakic by knockout or decision. Yeah. Uh, but I'm curious, the way the fight was going, you know, we're in round three. It's the beginning stages of round three. Did it feel like there was a clear winner to the fight, or was it back and forth? Was there still – did it feel like anybody was starting to pull ahead, or uh, your thoughts on the fight overall? I mean, it was neck and neck like the Kentucky Derby, man, is what it felt like. I mean, the, the, even the judges' scorecard said it best, one-to-one one across the board going into that third round. That's how I had it. Um, you know, feeling out in round one, the strikes are going back and forth. Jan just landed, I think, the more – damaging shots i think that's what gave him the round and then round two rockage was able to uh, grapple which i expected he would do at some point in this fight he didn't do much with it but it was more than what he did with it against anthony smith for example so you know like i said one to one going into the third uh, we only got to see a minute of action jan was pushing forward landed a calf kick he was beating up that left leg of rockage pretty bad mm -hmm. came in for a combo rockage went to evade and back up took a misstep and it, when they showed it in slow-mo you just see that yeah. muscle or the bone whatever happened you saw it go through his skin and just explode so it's a terrible injury for a guy that was already out for 14 months at 30 years old right in his prime a true like legit prospect and future title challenger in my opinion to have an injury like like this at this term of his career is brutal so obviously hopefully it's not a too lengthy recovery for him and Jan Blahovich he looked good, you know what I'm saying? It was one-to-one. -one. Obviously, I can't say he was clearly winning, but he looked great in the action that he was uh, going and pressing forward. So it's just it's an unfortunate ending to, honestly, what was going to be a, a better fight than what I expected going in, you know? I, I will agree on that. I definitely thought the fight up to that point had been better than what yeah. I was thinking it would be. But also, like, that round two, I mean, was kind of the way I thought this fight might yeah. go. Uh, Rockage, man, for being such a physical specimen, and this really isn't the point to this fight, but it's not the soap time for me to get on this soapbox, but I will. For being such a physical specimen, he doesn't really fight like that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, he, he, he could probably do a lot more than even he does, you know, but his leg kicks are really good. Um, he, he seemed to be, even though I think his, he wasn't really um, checking any leg kicks, which played a factor but um well it's hard to say because right it's the right leg that ends up being the one that yeah it wasn't is. the leg getting kicked you um, know? so probably just a freak thing i mean really yeah. not a ton to break down here i mean both guys had their moments had their shine yeah. uh what i think a big takeaway to start here is that jan blahovich even coming off of a pretty lackluster uh performance of where he lost his title to glover to Proved that he's still one of the best in the division. That yep. even at 39 years old, I don't think that he's really taking a step back yet. I mean, he he looked like Jan Blahovich, Polish power, all that here. Yeah. And yeah. Um, because of that, it inspired a little bit of confidence in me for his future, at least the short-term future for him. 
in this division. Now, Glover Teixeira, our light heavyweight champion, tweeted before the the main event started saying, "Good luck to Jan, good luck to you, Jan Blahovich. If you go out there and win, and then I win in June, I will give you your rematch." Now, yeah. So there was some mixed reactions to this, Dominic. Did you think it was a little odd for Glover Teixeira to – did it feel like he was maybe looking past his next challenge in Yuri Prohaska? Um, or I saw a little bit of that. Or was this just simply like, uh, hey, just letting you know, like, if you win and I win, I'm going to give you another shot kind of thing. Yeah, the the latter there is what I would agree with. Glover's, I don't think, is the type of guy to overlook any opponent, especially Yuri Prohaska, arguably his most dangerous uh, to date, at least in terms of the past few years. So uh, I think he's just, you know, him and uh, Jan had a lot of respect for one another. Going into that first fight, Jan was giving <laughs> Glover uh, birthday presents or vice versa. I forget whose birthday it was. Um, but, you know, they were just very cordial. Two guys that you know, their careers back and forth, ups and downs, and they still reach the epitome of it at this point in their careers. Uh, it's just an incredible story, both of them. So that's what I kind of felt like. Um, and I will say, because it, it, it is part of the discussion too, being that Glover presented that to Jan. Yes, Jan won this fight technically, but with it ending this way, do you think Blahovich could still get the winner of Yuri Glover even after this win? I think it's pretty clear he's going to get yeah. next. I mean, who else is really That's the staking problem. their claim right now? Yep. You know, I think yep. uh, this matchup was definitely set up to do that, and you know, I, I'm sure there was a lot of people that thought Rakic might be able to claim that. But since Jan Blahovic did, who, yes, if Glover wins against Yuri, it'll be a little strange for, for Jan to get the title shot, I think, because he wasn't like a a long-standing champion. He had defended right. the title successfully only once. Got finished one-sided, beat down by Glover pretty much in their fight. It might seem a little strange to give him a title fight with only one win and also not one that's very legitimate, I guess, right. uh, to get him another title shot. But really, I think it's just who else really is there. To get, I mean, yep. yes, you have some guys in this, in this top of the division who are looking very good. Magomed Ankalaev, Anthony Smith is looking great. Uh, Jamal Hill's about to fight again here soon. Um, there's other guys around, but I wouldn't say any of them really. It's like they're still one away, at yeah, least, you like know. Jan's the only one who really makes sense right now. Yeah. The timing of it, that's yeah. a big part too, Dom. We have to, we can't yeah. overlook timing plays a factor sometimes in these matchups. And Jan just didn't take a lot of damage, right, against yeah. uh, Rackage here. You're going to have this title fight in three less weeks, than less than. Yeah. And um, the winner of that, we'll see how long they'll be out following that. But by the end of the year, maybe you do see Jan Blahovic get another shot. I think that's very much in play. But I think Glover Teixeira needs to recognize also that he is a pretty big underdog against Yuri Prohaska. Now, he's been a pretty big yeah, underdog huh? on a lot of these fights uh, up to this point. But, um, you know, I, I think there was less of a chance Jan would get it if Glover won. So I think to him, to, I mean, Glover isn't exactly the one calling the shots 100% either. Yes, he's a champion. But, I mean, if the UFC decide they want to put someone else in that spot, they will. Right. Uh, but with that being said, you got to feel good if you're Jan Blahovich. Because I think if Yuri won, 
then clearly Jan gets the next shot. It's a fresh matchup. It was all about if Glover wins, who gets it, right? Since Glover's already beat him. But Glover guaranteed him he'll get another shot. So if you're Jan Blahovic, you got to feel pretty good right now. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we'll have more on this card later. Um, I guess just shout out. I mean, Alexander Rakic, hopefully he recovers well. Of course. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's a, I mean, that's a tough setback. What has already been kind of just a long layoffs in his career. And now he's being forced into another one due to injury. Uh, yeah, not the way you want it to go, but um, hopefully he comes back better than ever. Amen. Let's talk about Bellator London main event here. Logan Storley is your new interim welterweight champion. He gets it done via split decision against Michael Venom Page. Uh, the, the SEC arena crowd not very happy with the way things went down here. Uh, Dominic, again, this is with that fight that I'm talking about where a lot of voices in the community that I that I yeah. trust you know, were split on this fight. Um, how did you personally score this fight? And just kind of give your thoughts on maybe why you scored it that way. Yeah, this is one of those fights, man, where the discussion in the community and even in your head as a spectator watching, how am I going to score this? Damage, control time, you know, grappling. That That's what it was. That's what it was in this type of fight. Which is so um, weird because control time isn't even emphasized in the... Uh... Yeah, scoring criteria. So, like, it really shouldn't even be a factor. Yeah, I, I actually want to give a shout-out to Aaron Bronstetter here. He was the one I followed the most closely. I screenshotted his thread, and I'd love to honestly just read through it and have this as the discussion leader because he kind of really broke this down. So, round by round, round one, barely anything landed, right? Storley gets control. He lands quality knees. Uh, Page lands good shot off the bat. He scored it for Storley in that round just because he did have better shots. Round two and three whilst Storley was able to get control time again, Page was landing big shots, even the big right uh, in round two that kind of stumbled Storley around. And then rounds four and five, he said they're the closest of the fight. He had round four for Page, round five for Storley. Um, but he, again, it goes down to saying, you know, Page scorecard, a lot of people were saying it was terrible that a judge gave it to him. He said, you're terrible for thinking that that's a terrible <laughs> scorecard for Michael Page, essentially. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like in the moment for me, I probably lean Storley just because he, you know, on the back. And uh, granted, again, he didn't do much with it. But then you read through these tweets, like, okay, if I watch this fight back again, say tomorrow, I very well could look at it from a different perspective and score the fight for Page. Yeah, I really enjoyed seeing him kind of break down his thoughts there, and that that was the discussion that you've already said through the community: damage, ground control, and grappling. A lot of people saying if you're grappling but not doing anything with it. That's worthless. If you're active on the feet but not landing damage, that's worthless. It's just it was a crazy mix of emotions uh, in the community. Yeah, this fight was very just mixed on how people yeah. felt, and what it came down to was, I mean, it's what everybody kind of knows this fight was going to be. Storley was able to yeah, get true. the takedowns pretty much one per round. Uh, yeah, if I remember right. And he had, like, pretty decent periods of control time. But most of it was just holding Paige down. There wasn't really much, if any, ground and pound or anything. Um, When this fight was on the feet, it was clear Michael Venom Paige was landing the better shots. He was more comfortable. Um, 
MVP's biggest mistake here was that he would be landing good shots, and if he just stuck to doing that, he probably could kept this fight on the feet for certain rounds, but he would, like, overextend every round, like, looking yeah. for a kill shot, and that's when Storley would be able to kind of slide underneath and level change, correct. So, really, MVP is kind of the, I mean, he that, that was just, he kept doing that over and over yeah. again. Um, now, I, like I said, I had I had a betting bias for this fight. I had Logan Storley on my yeah. parlay to and if to hit it was plus seven seventy one. So I mean, clearly, like live, I, when I had a scorecard for MVP, I was like, "What the?" Like, <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I thought it felt like a clear win for Storley when I was watching it. But yeah, it isn't as clear. It becomes a little dicey when you really take into account the true scoring criteria. Right. Uh, because of that, I, I do think that uh, this will be an interesting fight in terms of, I guess, history. Uh, in terms of how people, maybe if this fight will just become maybe a part of like, once this discussion comes up in the future, is this a fight people are going to go back to and be like, look, it looks like you're thinking it's a fight for Storley, but really it's right. not if you go off the criteria. I don't know. I, 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 I definitely think that... Um, it felt like the right guy won, but again, I mean, like even even the I feel like nobody can disagree that this was a close fight. Of course, right. Um, so because of that, like I feel like either guy had a real claim to this title here, and Storley gets the nod. It's not pretty. It's not the way that people wanted to see that fight go, but you know he did what he kind of had to do to win, even if it really could have been to his detriment really if he wasn't landing the damaging shots but um i guess dominic your thoughts on storley as now an interim champion obviously it's still up in the air what's going to happen with the yaroslav amasov but i will just mention that storley and amasov have fought before i said this on thursday one of the best fights i've ever seen in bellator was their first encounter uh, Amasov did get a, I think it was a split decision, very close fight in that one, absolute war. Yeah. Uh, your thoughts on that potential rematch, if if that's what becomes next for Bellator? Yeah, uh, being that there's history between these two guys, uh, two guys that are uh, great grapplers but well rounded. Uh, they had a great first fight. Like it just, it, it feels like that this could be a fun one. You know what I'm saying? Um, it sucks. I guess that there's still a cloud over this interim championship. Just clouds lately at all the Bellator main events this year. I don't know. It's weird. It feels like that. But, uh, you know, for story, like you said, it kind of felt like the right guy won type deal. Um, and so that's where I'm going to lean as well. So good on him. Uh, getting that rematch against Amazov. This is a guy, by the way, that's 26-0 Amazov, the uh, champion right now. If he can give him his first loss of his career, that'd be quite the story as well. So uh, we'll see what happens. Even Scott Coker came out and said he thought Michael Page won this fight and that grappling with um, no shots or no transitioning and whatnot doesn't win a fight. So you got to think, I wonder if the president of Bellator will have a say so and maybe doing something with Storley that doesn't include Amazov next. Who knows? Well, I mean, that could even be more likely because Amazov seems very dedicated to his efforts over in Ukraine. Right. Do you, is there a chance this fight gets run back in your head? Ooh, I, that's a good question. 
I could I could potentially see it. Bellator's really? no not one to turn the cheek to rematches. I'm not calling for it. I don't need to see that well, fight again because I don't feel like it's going to be much you've, different. You've said that a couple times, but I don't think does Bellator really do rematches more than any other promotion. Like, I just feel like this year we've had so many discussions about them potentially doing them if they haven't already booked them. It started with the cyborg thing with uh, Sinead Cavanaugh, and I feel like we've. Oh, I, or okay. at least I've ran with the discussion since then. Okay, I, I get what you're saying there. But they haven't um, technically booked that many, to be fair. Um, what, what I will say is, I guess you could see, like, there, there is reason for this fight to be run back, potentially, if, again, if Amasov is not able to defend. I just don't want it to be. I mean, really, yeah. like, it, it's going to be the same fight the second exactly. time. It's just, basically, exactly. if you're rebooking that fight... You're basically going, okay, let's see if MVP can finish him on the feet this time. Yeah. That's really that's what true. you're doing because you, Storley's going to do the same thing. Yep. And, yep. I mean, it won him this fight, so why wouldn't he? It's going to be on MVP to make that fight any different. So that's why I don't want to see that run back immediately. It just it doesn't feel earned, in my opinion. I get it. It was a close fight, but controversial in the sense of, you know, everybody kind of scoring it one way or another. I don't think you can call it a robbery, so we'll just move on from that. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm i just, again, I, I don't, I'm not a proponent of seeing. If a fight is not good the first time, even if it's up for debate who won, what's not? <laughs> at the end of the day, we just want to be entertained, right? <laughs> like, Right, right. We're not, let's not be too stickler on the whole, like, well, MVP still has a right to the throne kind of deal here. I mean, let's just let's let's let each guy go their separate ways for a while and maybe we'll circle back. Yeah, and quickly, just when you say go separate ways, I got to just ask you this question because we've talked about MVP's career, you know, a lot on this show and kind of how again, he came into this fight with a 16 and 1 record in Bellator, but it was his first time fighting for a belt and it was an interim belt. Granted it was going to be undisputed until the Amazov stuff, but still, now that he loses this, albeit cloudiness controversy aside, it's still a loss on the record. What do you think this actually does for MVP's career? Like, will he actually ever... Like, if he doesn't get the belt in Bellator, does it feel just like this whole career with all the hype, you know, that came with it and the, the flashy finishes and the, the, you know, the Pokemon ball thing a few years back and just everything, does it feel like a miss, dare I say, if he never gets that belt? Because now, more than ever, it feels like that won't happen. Mm. Uh, not really. I mean, maybe I want, maybe, uh, again, I've told you this on Thursday. I feel like, uh, I get it. He's a big deal in the UK and in London. And, um, so because of that, I'm sure that if you ask someone who maybe has a better pulse on that area, they might tell you differently, but I feel like the honeymoon phase with MVP, it kind of, was kind of over. I feel like, uh, people become more realistic about, some people have went a little too far to the negative side where it's like he's a can crusher. He doesn't beat anybody. Yeah. I mean, he beat Douglas Lima. He's beaten some actual guy. He beat Paul Daly. I mean, he's beaten yeah. guys, even if they're not the most exciting fights sometimes. But then you see what he can do when he caves someone's skull in, like uh, right. uh, Cyborg Santos, and then he did the Pokemon Ball thing, which is just the most disrespectful shit I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> but... Yeah. Uh, no, I, I mean, again, of course it's like a miss. It's it's like any, <clears throat> if you compare it to the UFC, any great fighter that doesn't get a belt, it's like, man, like how did they never win the yeah. big one, right? But right. with MVP, he's he, he is a just 
stylistically, he's very fun. He's very good on the feet. I mean, he's an excellent striker. But, um, you know, he's never been quite the most well-rounded fighter in the game. And that's just limited him to an extent. He's still got more fights left in him, I'm sure. So who's to say he doesn't win one more and then he comes right back into a title fight? Mm-hmm. It, it's hard to say, Dom. If I'm, if I'm being honest with you, I feel like to act like his window is shut is kind of just a mistake because he just Mm -hmm. he's i mean he's still what ranked number one number two now so yeah i mean he's gonna win one more fight and be right back in there like i I don't know how you can act like he's i'm not saying you specifically i don't know how anybody could act like he's uh out down for the count Yeah, yeah like i mean this isn't like a tony ferguson situation we're talking about here i mean this is right it's good he lost a very close fight i mean that it happens yep <clears throat> more on this card to come as well. But we got a little more news to talk about Dominic, and it starts with everybody's favorite Irishman, Conor McGregor. We always find a way to put him in, <laughs> in these shows. And Dominic, you didn't you didn't put my you didn't put my question mark at the end? Come on. Oh crud. Hold on, no, I'll fix fine. it. No, I'm, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm doing it. I'm fixing it. I'm fixing it. Okay, okay. so Conor McGregor. Um because I wanted it to be a, I didn't want it to be a statement. You know, of course, it's 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 up for debate, yes. right? Yes. So there was a, an account on Twitter, um, one Andy Hickey MMA at Andy Hickey MMA, who had tweeted about Usada's updated 2022 testing pool. They had just Usada, I guess, had just released this information. Uh, it showed Henry Cejudo was back in the testing pool, so that's good. Hopefully, we'll see him back in action here in a few months. But there was a glaring name that was missing, Dom, and that was Conor McGregor's name, who has apparently not been tested for eight or nine months and is not even in the USADA testing pool, which means that all this talk about return fights, Michael Chandler fight, uh, Jorge Masvidal fight, it's all nil. It's all nothing. There's nothing there unless... You know, again, okay. If he if he were to get back in the testing pool today, six months then for his next fight, right? So yeah, yeah. Now that you're kind of hearing this information, does what does this do for your feelings on him and like a potential return bout? I mean, we've been talking about this guy's return for a while, right? So yeah. does it feel almost like after we talk about him here, we shouldn't really even talk about him anymore? Yeah, this was fascinating to um, find this out and see this on Twitter. I saw that he hadn't been tested for eight or nine months, but then reading today and having you tell me off recording, yeah, he's not even in the pool. That's crazy. Um, I don't know even why that would happen. Like, he didn't retire again. This guy's retired like five times, but never legitimately been taken out of the pool or anything. So do they do this when people get seriously injured for recovery and stuff? Well, like maybe the they fighter, have to take certain the fighter can remove themselves. That just means they can't compete. Right. So yeah, this is interesting. And so especially, Connor, I mean, look, I'm, I'm not accusing him of anything, but I mean, there is a reason why you might remove yourself while you're going through the recovery of a serious injury, but also Dominic, if you want to not, I mean, that's kind of a probably too obvious of an answer there. Like I'm, I'm not even saying that, but Let's say you get this serious injury. Maybe the last thing you want to do is have you saw knocking on your door at four. True. Um, that's um, true. So you, you know, take yourself out. I mean, that's 
Yes, yeah, so usually it only happens when people retire, but I mean Connor's so big. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's actually a great point, and that could very well be the reason uh, behind that. But like you said, in normal circumstances, anyway, it takes six months, right? You got to re-enter, get tested for six months, then you're eligible to compete again. So, say he went back in today, he could fight again. You know, potentially that Madison Square Garden card always happens in November. He could fight uh, in November, December, so at the end of the year. But yeah, I mean this to me, makes me really feel like we've talked about how we knew he wasn't coming back in the summer. We thought that was crazy talk. But the fall looked, you know, relatively likely. We're just talking about him and Chandler last week. But now, um, and you said it off recording too, Conor McGregor, I don't think we see in 2022. And who knows when we could even see him in 2023. That This was uh, very glaring to me, something that not many people have picked up on, not many people have mm. discussed. So curious to get your guys' thoughts, and Noah, take it away with what you've got as well. Well, I, I completely agree with you. I'm surprised that more people aren't talking about this. Now, maybe the biggest reason is that the UFC has made one exception in its history with the USADA testing pool, and that was for Brock Lesnar when he was to make his return at UFC 200. They essentially waived off that six-month period. I've, I mean, that's I mean, I'm pretty sure that's written, and that is literal fact that yeah. they, they just said like no we are removing that six month testing period I think he was still in it for like a month or two yeah and um, then he competed and then he tested positive afterwards which unrelated here but I'm just saying that that's what happened yeah Conor McGregor is that big to where honestly they probably would just bypass it but they took a lot of flag for doing that with Lesnar and rightfully so you know, is it worth it for them to do it again? I mean, yes, at this point, the UFC is so big. Like, yes, the Conor McGregor fight's still the biggest thing going, but I almost wonder if we, do we get to a point where it's like, you know, for the UFC, most of the money they, they are making is like, like these, the difference between what used to be so massive, right? The difference between a million pay-per-view buys and like, 400,000. That was like massive, right? Yeah. Now I think it's less so for the UFC. Like they, they have so much money trickling in through the CSPN deal, through their crypto deal, through the Venom deal, through all these deals they have. I don't really think that the juice is worth the squeeze sometimes, maybe for these massive fights. Like, at least in their eyes. Like, don't get me wrong, they probably still value McGregor very highly and would still want to have him fight. But is it, are they necessarily going to break protocol to get him in there sooner? I don't know. Maybe they would. I don't, I, I just wonder if, it, are we coming to a point where these big stars like Conor McGregor and Nate, I mean, you're already seeing it with Nate Diaz. Like, he's, they, they're basically holding him hostage, which is not funny, but it's just kind of, crazy that that's happening and uh like jorge masvidal like they seem the those guys are less um tameable than some of these other guys like kamaru usman or adesanya who are stars but just below that level right so uh, i definitely think there's a discussion there but i maybe i'm just not really ready to have it right now i don't i don't i don't i don't have all the facts to back me up here but I definitely think that we'll see how the UFC responds to this. It's going to tell us a lot about where they are, where they stand as a company right now. Is is those big fights, those million-plus pay-per-view fights, is that really worth 
the backlash from just all parties about breaking that protocol? Or are they so big and have so many deals that are generating them money that really the pay-per-view buys are just gravy? Right, right. And, you know, like you said about the backlash, you look at when they did that with Brock Lesnar, like you said, he did pop afterwards, which makes makes it look ten times well, worse than what it already did. So bad. So, and I'm not accusing anyone of nothing, but God forbid that were to happen to a guy like Conor McGregor. Imagine yeah. one of the biggest stars in the, one of the biggest star in UFC history. Say he even popped for something that he was taking to recover with his leg. That, I mean, you can pop for a lot of things in USADA. We see it happen all the time taking supplements people are taking things that they didn't know was illegal so say he was taking something to recover with and it was still in his system that he popped for after a fight then all that goes up in the air oh conor mcgregor popped for this he popped for this the ufc allowed him to slide in and he gets caught here so you know i like you said is the risk worth the reward especially for a guy like conor mcgregor i'd have to say no you know well we'll probably get more updates on this because Undoubtedly, McGregor will start, eventually probably start tweeting out some, uh, you know, he, he likes to, he'll talk, he'll talk shit to Nate or Chandler or Poirier or whoever, and he'll probably be acting like he's going to be back in a couple months and let's just probably wait it out because I don't think that's going to happen. I think the, the wait for a McGregor return will probably be a lot longer than people are ready for, yeah. but I want everybody to just if, if you're really, if you're still like someone who's that, you know, we all get excited because it just, it adds a lot. Le- there's a level of pomp to a McGregor fight and pizzazz that you just don't get with an average pay-per-view. So yep. um, just be prepared that it's probably going to be a while. Yep. Yep. Fight announcements. We got a few of those. Good little today. chunk here, huh? June 11th at UFC 275, our next pay-per-view. They got him another fight. Andre Fialo. He's we back. it. And he's taking on the Celtic kid, Jake Matthews. This is a really good fight, Don. Yeah, this is a sick fight. These are two guys that like to go in and finish people. Uh, Fialo, what a story for this guy. This is going to be his fourth UFC fight since January. He's literally fighting once a month at this point almost. So uh, it's crazy. You know, he comes in on short notice, nearly uh, escapes with a win against Michelle Pajera. And then ever since, he's knocked out Miguel Baeza. He just knocked out... Cameron Van Camp. Camp. Thank you. Um, So, yeah, he's on a a hot streak right now. Jake Matthews, a good prospect in his own right that's in fun fights. This is incredible. And another addition to that June 11th card in Singapore. (laughs) That card is so nice. Yeah, I mean, this this fight is really good. And honestly, Jake Matthews, like, that's a guy that kind of, I kind of forgot about a little bit. But he's got wins over, like, he beat Diego Sanchez. I remember that one. Not Diego's finest hour. But then before that, he has a win over uh, Lee Jingliang, the leech. Yeah. He got that win, I believe, in, uh, I was going to say China, but I don't think that's true. But he does have a win over the leech. And, I mean, he's a good fighter. It's just a guy, yeah. I don't know what's really happened with his career. I just feel like I haven't seen him fight that often uh, yeah. in yeah. the last few years. But definitely a test for Fialo, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, UFC 276, July 2nd. Wow. International Fight Week adds two veterans, Bobby Green taking on Jim Miller. I mean, that's basically this BMF old man fighter division. I mean, there you go. There, there it is. It's only right that they put this on the International Fight Week card. The biggest card of the year, you know, is what they always kind of try to label it. The fact that these two have never fought, by the way, pretty mind-boggling. I love everything about it. Yeah, it's probably going to be the fight that like opens the entire card. It's crazy because that could <laughs> yeah. be a quality co-main event on a fight night. So, hundred percent shows you how big that UFC 276 is probably going to be. 
Uh, July 16th, Michelle Waterson taking on Amanda LeMoche. Amanda LeMoche coming off of her first main event, a losing effort to Jessica Andrade looking to bounce back here. Because Michelle Waterson, who's still trying to remain relevant in this uh, this division at 10, is tending to get a little younger as we speak. She's still ranked number 10, though. Um, do you like this fight, Dom? Do you care about this fight? Yeah, I think it's just a matchup that makes sense. Lemos, respect, by the way, for the quick turnaround. Just fought, what, two weeks ago? I'm going to fight again in July. Michelle Watterson, been out for a long time. Posted on Instagram a few months ago about um, like a career-threatening injury that she had to get treated. Mm-hmm. So apparently that's all going to be back in shape now. But a long layoff. Interested to see how she looks. And Lemos, obviously looking to get back in the win column. Yeah, I just don't care about that fight. July 23rd. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't read the dead paper. No, no, I already knew your thoughts. You're good. Uh, no, I, I, I'll give it some respect. I mean, it, Michelle Waterson always tends to feel like a slightly bigger deal than like the average fighter in this division. So, um, you just don't want it to be a main event, right? Fair. Yes, I mean, well, Dominic was trying to say it should be a main event. No, that's like, a lie. I was like, Dominic, dude. Like, because I went back and listened to our episode. I sent you the clip of yeah, uh, yeah, Michelle Waterson, Angela Hill. And I said that that fight shouldn't have been a main event. Because it got thrusted into a main event because of... The last minute, yeah. Uh, Tiago Santos, Glover Teixeira fell out yeah. and got rebooked. And you were arguing that that was like a main event level fight. And it was just kind of funny because... Uh, you were wrong, but that's, you know, you're you're still advocating for Michelle Watterson in main events, and God bless you, Dom, for, for, for sitting, sitting on that soapbox over there. Party anyway. one. <laughs> Go to the next one. Uh, so, uh, July 23rd, Paul Craig. Paul Craig. It's me, Colt. I'm just going to have to put that clip in every time we talk about Paul Craig. You <laughs> are sporting the traditional Scottish kilt. What is under? Yes, please. You want to see? It's my, it's my, it's my, your kibbles and bits. It's my, it's my cock. No. <laughs> Tell, when you sent it in our group chat the other day, I wheezed. Like JP does. <laughs> I wheezed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's taking off Vulcan Uzdemir, who, who I'm sure has a cock of his own. Uh, eight versus nine here <laughs> July. This is London, by the way. The London card, Paul Craig fighting on the London card. Um, should be fireworks. Should be the battle of the cocks in this one. Uh, (laughs) Seriously, this is a good fight. Paul Craig is, like, putting it together, finally. He's always been in fun fights, but now he's top eight. Like, he's looking to actually get the ship corrected and get into the top five. And Vulcan, a career for Vulcan. This guy stormed into the UFC, earned a title shot against DC, got shut down, and ever since, hasn't really been the same. It's at August. Yeah, he also has a win over Rackage. I mean, that's... Yeah. He welcomed your boy Yuri into the UFC. I mean... Yeah. Just a, just an interesting career. That's a good it's fight. Been, it's been less active. He had that fight with Don Kalaya where he just seemed to step behind the whole way. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's a, I mean, this is an interesting matchup for him because, truthfully, I just can't wait to see how Paul Craig snatches a win in the, from the jaws of defeat. I mean, so I just can't wait. That's what we look forward uh, to. Because, sorry, Vulcan, but you're probably going to knock him out like twice, <laughs> and then he's still going to somehow put you in a triangle. I mean, that's just what's yeah. going to happen. Exactly. And then, and then if he's wearing a kilt, you're going to have to see his kibble's bits. I mean, that's just the way <laughs> life goes sometimes. And the August, last fight. <laughs> August 6th, 
Uh, Vicente Luque will be back uh, towards the tail end of summer, taking on Jeff Neal, number six versus number 12. Yeah. I said this to you in the group chat, Dominic. Uh, this fight is one where I'm sure it'll be a good fight. I'm sure it'll be an exciting right. fight. But I don't really like the fight for either guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think you and Jake put it both, honestly, perfectly in the group chat. I, I just got to look, sit back and like the messages because I didn't have nothing else to add on. You guys put it perfectly. Like like you said, it, it is a good fight. We're not doubting that. But, like, why we need this one? You kind of said, you know, Jeff Neal got thrusted in, got beat with his uh, – what, what was the big fight he got? Oh, Wonder Boy uh, was Wonder the first Boy. big one. Mm-hmm. And he lost that one decisively over the course of five rounds. But now he's getting another top – I mean, he's number six now. But you get the point. It just it doesn't feel like a matchup that made sense. Yeah, but the Wonder Boy fight, like, okay, that was – I mean, Jeff Neal was probably thrusted a little too – deep into a little too deep of waters with that one but at the same time like he had looked so good up to that point. yeah yeah but i was coming off of that horrific nearly life-threatening uh, yeah was it covid or what was that i forget uh, he, he had some sort of infection yeah, that was really bad yeah that was like life-threatening so then he takes that main event with wonder boy and um, puts up a valiant effort but ultimately loses and then he had that loss that it didn't look too good against uh, Neil Magny. Like he yeah, just, that one. Yeah. He had kind of a subpar performance there. He did come, he bounced back with a win in December, UFC 269. He got a win over Santiago Ponzinibbio, I believe. Yeah. Solid win, but I think it was even a split decision. And then now you're going up against the number six ranked Vicente Luque. Like, yeah. I, it, yeah. I feel like Jeff Neal needs more seasoning, he just needs more time. Right. Let's not be throwing this guy to the wolves here and really ruining any potential he may have. While for Luque, coming off the loss in his first main event with Bilal Muhammad, yes, he didn't look great in that fight. I'll admit that. But he's still one of the most exciting fighters in the whole company. And he's got to go back and fight number 12. And again, it's a guy who, yes, good fighter, Jeff Neal. Could win this fight, Jeff Neal. Yeah. But also hasn't really earned this matchup and right. It just seems like Luke shouldn't be quite fighting this far back. You know, I feel like there's other matchups for Luke and like, I was like a Sean Brady could have made a lot more sense. I think Jake even mentioned that in our group that like, I just, yep. I don't know. I just weird matchup. I think. Couldn't have said it better. Yeah. Let's get into the rest. We got more fights to talk about from both cards on this weekend. We'll start with Bellator London the co-main event, the brother of one Leon, Rocky Edwards, Fabian Edwards, took on the legend, Leoto the Dragon Machida, and he got yeah. the knockout, Dom, in round one, three minutes, 16 seconds in. And he kind of talked some shit afterwards. I mean, he, he said he's coming for the throne. He's coming for the title. Really, I, I, I got to admit, like, it's kind of becoming more entertaining. Like, it seems like as Gegard kind of chops down one of these pro- these like hot new prospects or whatever you want to call them the next one gets like more confident like yeah. you got Austin Vanderford who didn't really say a whole lot but then you got Johnny Evelyn who's like talking some shit Fabian yeah. Edwards is now talking some shit uh just I don't know if that's the right move or, or not but it was a good win for him um your thoughts on the KO maybe this is it for Leota Machida yeah, for Fabian, a win that he needed. He had lost two in a row, albeit to top guys in the division, but he needed this to get back on track, to stay in the top five. But, man, it hurt to see Leoto get knocked out like that. That was a 
that was a nasty knockout, 43 years old, a legend of MMA. You hate wow. to see that happen to any of them, you know. So um, for him, I mean, he's 2-4 and four now on Bellator, hasn't did a ton of good things there either. I just, there's not, I, I say this about a lot of guys, there's just nothing left to prove. If he wants to keep fighting, keep fighting. Get money, I'm not going to keep you from doing that. Just as a fan, to see you get knocked out like that. That's tough. This is a guy, I was young, like 2008, 2009, you know, many, many moons ago watching the UFC, and he was Joe Rogan, the, the, the Machida era, the karate yeah. style that we hadn't seen before in the UFC, the modern era that is. Uh, it's just tough to see him go out like this. Yeah, he's an absolute legend. But um, Fabian Edwards just, I mean, that was a really good shot, a really good elbow yes. off the clinch, and he just had a really good finishing sequence there. I mean, that could happen to a lot of guys, but mm -hmm. yes, Machida, you know, it's just his chin wasn't really ever like elite. Great. Yeah. But um, now it's just like his, his speed, he slowed down, you know, he's yeah. 43. Uh, again, like you just said, everything copy and paste, like how, who am I to tell a guy to stop fighting? But um, you're right. It seems like the fact that he's not really even all that competitive in Bellator is just, yeah very telling i think of where he stands at this point but what a career if this is it i mean oh uh, of course absolutely. maybe the, the machida era maybe never came to fruition but i mean even beyond that i mean he was just a exceptional talent for yes the ufc and bellator as well so uh following that pretty big underdog kind of wantanabe gets the second round submission over denise keel holtz Three minutes, three seconds of round number two. Uh, this ended up being a very interesting fight. Uh, Kana Watanabe, again, being kind of a big underdog, coming off of her under one minute TKO loss to now champion Liz Carmouche. And it looked like that might happen again here, Dom. Denise Kielholtz stunned her in mm -hmm. like the first 15 seconds of the fight. Like, had her on... Wobbly Street, or East, whatever, yep. call, whatever the saying is. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But luckily, Watanabe able to get that fight to the ground. Um, there was a point deduction against Kielholtz, and I can't... Oh, it was for... Um, there was an exchange on the ground where it, Watanabe was going for some sort of a heel hook, so, you know, they're, like, kind of both right. on their backs facing one another, and Kielholtz, like, threw a kick... Oh, and yeah. Hit Watanabe yeah. in the face. So they took a point away from her. And coming, and the fact that Watanabe probably won round one, even despite the early uh, storm she had the weather, meant that really in round two and on, it looked like Kielholz had to get a finish probably to even win the fight. So it looked like she was really working from behind. And Watanabe able to get the submission win. A very surprising win, probably for a lot of people. I mean, Kielholz. Fought Juliana Velasquez so tough and so close in their title fight. And now the division's been shaken up a lot. You know, Carmouche is now technically the champion. Um, Watanabe here just kind of ran through Kielholtz. I mean, Kielholtz looked good at times, but Watanabe, just when that fight was on the ground, she just seemed much more prepared for, for that. And... It was a good win for her to get back on track, but again, I don't know if she's ever really gonna be like a like a champion because I'm not sure if she could take a punch, Tom. I mean, now yeah, she 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 was stunned by like the first punch that hit her in this fight. 
Yeah, you think you think a win like this though, getting the finish, you know, beating number two, you potentially set up this rematch with Liz Carmouche now, a potential title shot where there's revenge on the line for her. Does it line up then Keyholtz and Velasquez for a rematch? Because we know how close that one was. Because I know when um, Velasquez fought Carmouche, it was a very close fight. It was controversial with the TKO that Liz won with. We said, oh, maybe they should run that back. You think maybe this could be kind of the new thing for Bellator? They get two rematches about two fights that were yes one was a pretty convincing tko for liz you don't think connor gets a title shot off this win no i mean she got she got she got starched in like 40 seconds i just don't know if that's this was a good win for her and i mean she is up there but do you do her with velasquez then fresh matchup well i think velasquez is getting a rematch with carl that's what i think which, yes, that does leave her, these two, Watanabe and Keelholtz, in an interesting position. But yeah. if 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 you're Kana Watanabe, you're probably hoping Velasquez gets that title back because there's a chance you could probably come right in after that and compete for a title. But if Carmouche holds up that title, um, you have a hard time convincing me that uh, Watanabe should get a second crack at her. Fair. Do you think differently? Uh, I, you know, I just think it'd be cool to see two different rematches. Or honestly, even like for Keyholtz, I could see Justine Kish fighting her next because she just beat uh, Ali Malay. There's just a lot of moving pieces at the top right now. I don't know. I We already talked about how we guess we feel like the rematch should happen between Carmouche and Velasquez. But if not, I wouldn't be disappointed if Kana got her chance at revenge. Did you, did you really agree with that, though? Because I remember you were pretty – I mean, you were okay with the stoppage. So, like – yeah. It seems like a lot of people are wanting it, I suppose, and well, I, I'm I, not. Because, I mean, Velasquez only had one successful title defense. It's just right. the fact that she was winning the whole fight, and then yeah. they yeah. felt like the stoppage was too early. Now, I was okay with the stoppage. I still just, I expect the rematch to get made. I wouldn't necessarily say I'm advocating for it, but yeah. that's probably what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, last one for Bellator, Paul Daly, and what Strong has been, I mean, he said this a few times, but this is supposedly his retirement fight. Going out on a bang, gets the knockout of Wendell G- Giacomo, I believe is how you say it. I was not saying it right. Wendell Giacomo. Round two, four minutes, nine seconds. Paul Daly kind of getting controlled for most of the first two rounds here, but then... yeah. When that fight was standing, man, he lands the bomb, the daily bomb that he has been known for throughout his career, one of the best power punchers in this division, probably through most of MMA's history. And, um, yeah, what a way to go out. What a what a way to ride off into the sunset if you're Paul Daly here in front of your home fans. Yeah, in, in his home country, you know, he gets an insane knockout. That was like his 44th career win. 35 of them are via knockout. The dude knows nothing – but knocking people out when he wins fights, how? What more could you ask for to go out than with a, a highlight real finish like that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he acted like this is probably it for MMA, but we'll probably see him boxing here soon. Apparently, he was uh, offered a boxing fight with Dan Hardy, but uh, oh, really? Yeah, but now Dan Hardy's boxing uh, Diego Sanchez, so yeah, I'm sure he'll somehow find him. You'll we'll find him in that in that echelon of people eventually. I'm sure. Uh, UFC, back to them. Round one between Ryan Spann and Jan Kudalaba went about as expected. I mean, this fight <laughs> yeah. was pretty crazy. There was like three different 
power takedowns in this round. Um, a lot just happened in these two minutes, but ultimately the story is the Hulk forgot his kryptonite here because Superman, Ryan Spann gets the submission over Kudalava in round one. Did this fight do anything for maybe inspiring a little more confidence in Ryan Spann as maybe someone that could be built into a contender or... Uh, do you feel pretty much the same? Just a fun fight? What, what are your thoughts? Man, I, I want so badly to see Ryan Spann reach that full potential. He's 6-2 and two in the UFC. You know, that's a solid record, but two losses, it's his biggest fights that he's had, including the Anthony Smith fight that had a lot of drama kind of leading into it there, and he got finished convincingly. This dude is a freak athlete. He's 6-5. He, he's built like a statue. He finishes fights. That was his 12th submission win alone. You don't see many submissions at these higher weight classes. Shout out to Lippert Share, the champion. So, uh, yeah, uh, while it's not a ranked win, Kudalaba's been back and forth. I think mean, he's like five and six now in the UFC. I still think there's something there in Ryan Spann. If he can just put the puzzle, the full puzzle together, I think he can crash into that top five eventually. I do. Davey Grant gets the knockout of Luis Smolka. Dude. Round three. This is another one. Luis Smolka, I think, uh, fucked up something. Well, I think it was this one's from a leg kick. That was nasty. Uh, Davey Grant landed a leg kick in round three. This is 49 seconds in. The, the fight was probably even going into this third Sick round. Sick fight. Both guys having their moments. Yeah, and it was just an absolute war, as per usual with both these guys. Yeah, yeah. And um, in round three, Davey Grant lands a nasty leg kick that pretty much buckles Luis Smoker to the point where he ain't using that leg anymore. No, no. So Smoker tries to kind of force it into the ground, but then Davy Grant, man, lands a oh. knockout punch on the ground. Just ground nasty pound stuff. was nasty. Uh, yeah. These two, I'm just going to say it, these two were robbed of fight of the night. Uh, I thought this was the, the runaway fight of the night. I mean, they gave it to Chukagian and Hebus, which, I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah, uh, but we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, Grant Smoke this fight was awesome. It, it was literally these two guys. They always put on fun fights, but Davy Grant, especially, is one of the most fun fighters in the whole company. And um, I don't know what's in store for him in the future, but I just love see keep putting this guy on. Main you gotta put him in London. Fight nights. You gotta put him at UFC London in July, man. You got you gotta oh, put him there. Okay. I think if you're the UFC. Um, and yeah, this should have been the fight of the night. And if and, and it wasn't, but then Davy Grant doesn't even get a, a performance bonus. I mean, come on, there were a lot of performance bonus winners last night, if you ask me. So to not get either or for him, that that's a that's a shame. Davy Grant always in fun fights. Luis Smoka, that's eight straight fights now where her he's either getting finished or finishing someone. These guys don't know what a boring fight is. Yeah, the 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 fight that did get the fight of the night was Caitlin Chukagian and her split decision win over Amanda Hebus, who was making her return to the women's flyweight division. Now, we were very pessimistic, I think is what you would call it, for Hebus. As for her, I guess, in this fight, and really just in this whole potential moving of divisions as well. Now that the fight's taken place, what are your thoughts now? Put up a hell of a lot better fight than what I expected. Was able to implement her game plan at least more than I think most were probably expecting, uh, including myself. She was able to get judo takedowns, get control time, even kind of hold her own on the feet 
but Chukagian does what Chukagian does. She is so good at managing with her distance and length to keep people at bay, and she did it just enough to get the win here. Very close. It was a split decision, as Noah said, but I think the right woman won in Caitlin Chukagian. Um, that's four in a row now, Noah. She's got a new contract. She's with new management. Problem is, Valentina Shevchenko is still the champion. Yeah, yeah, that is a problem for her. <laughs> uh, when I look at this fight, man, I mean, don't get me wrong, it was a pretty decent fight. I mean, it won fight of the night, but I'm kind of shocked that it did because while it, I mean, it, it, it wasn't, it was easy to get through. Like, it wasn't a, a tough watch, but man, the striking for these two, oof, I mean, just not very good. And I'm realizing that I think, I think what I was watching is like, Caitlin Chukagian, this was two women fighting to become the number one contender, technically, of mm-hmm. women's flyweight. Did it really feel like that? Because I don't, after this fight, I look at both of these and go, like, neither of these women are ever winning a title. I mean, Amanda Hivas has no striking defense, like, at all. I mean, that's always going to be her problem. You know, Marina Rodriguez knocked her out twice. Yeah, Vierna Jandaroba stumbled her here against Caitlin Chukagian. Chukagian was piecing her up on the feet. I mean, Amanda Hivas is excellent with her jiu-jitsu. And I know, Dominic, I know this is probably like, I feel like I'm stabbing you here when I'm talking about this because I know what a what a massive fan you are. But um, she she is excellent at what she, at her strengths, but her weaknesses just become more and more glaring with each fight. Yeah. Now, can she improve on that? Yes, and get better. But it's just like, she has, like, no striking deal. Like, she just sits there and just takes punches to the face to hold that clean shots. Like, yeah. you, you just, that's, you can't do that. And I I guess the question I'll transition to, because, again, this just didn't feel like a fight to determine a number one contender, even though in a way it was. Um, but a decent fight. Both women really went for it. Like, they really, you know, wanted it even if it wasn't the most technical of stand-up. Like, you know, they're, like, yelling at the end and stuff. Um, but, Dominic, like, is this a permanent move for Hebus now that you've seen the fight, or do you want her to go back to 115? I mean, she's number nine at 115 for a reason. She was four and one at 115 for a reason. I don't think there's any... I, like, I didn't understand this fight to begin with, and while she did more than I thought, and it went to a split decision, right, she had her moments even removed from it i'm like okay good job you know it was caitlin chukagian you look good against her you didn't get pummeled destroyed whatever the case you belong at 115 where you're top 10 where you have a higher ceiling keep improving upon the striking defense keep working on your strengths as noah said too and you can get to the top five at 115 i don't have a doubt in that but you can't be back bouncing back and forth she has to stay at 115 it's interesting to see what her ceiling really is because you're right she's number nine at 115 15 so she's not far off from that top five area but yeah i i think there's certain matchups that she I, i'm talking at straw because i i agree i think i if she sticks to here maybe it'll be okay but i just think she's better as a straw weight like that's just what's been made clear to me there's certain matchups where i like keep us in like i think her and carla sparza i think she has a good chance in that fight that's a good fight yeah but if you put her up against like Rose or Zhang Wei Li or Joanna, it's or, troublesome. You know, yeah. she's probably getting beat up. 
Yeah. And so there's like Mackenzie Dern, she has a win over. So I think yeah. like she, I still think she's competitive in that fight. Yeah. Like there's certain, if you really wanted to get her to a title fight, you probably could if you just pick her matchups very carefully. But I just don't, I, she just has a lot of work to do, I think is what's uh, still clear to me. Yeah, and for Chukagian, my I had a takeaway from the post-fight presser where she was asked about Manon uh, Fierro. She said mm-hmm. she'd be open to fighting her in Paris in September. No, if she does go there and beat her in Paris and win five straight, does she then get a title shot, or will she have to win like six or seven in a row? Well, I mean, probably. And I think that really comes down to Dom is, I mean, if Taylor Santos wins, she's getting the next shot, right? Like she, mm-hmm. if Taylor Santos beats, well, obviously if, if Taylor Rematch. Santos. Yeah, if she beats Valentina, you do a rematch. But right? I get what you're saying. Um, yes. But for Valentina, who has been very vocal about just wanting to stay active, just keep yeah. the challengers coming. After Taylor Santos, I mean, it it's... would be Mano versus yeah. like the winner of that fight would definitely because you know they'd want to do her versus Mano Fior. Yeah, and if that doesn't happen, if she doesn't win, you've got to do Chukagian again. I mean, you just Eventually, someone just earns it. I mean, they've won that many fights. Even if, like, look, some people thought Hebus won this fight. Some people, including, I think, me and you, thought uh, Chukagian lost last summer against uh, Vivian. Vivian, were, who we're about yeah. to talk about. I guess we could transition into that. But Vivian, yeah. I thought, won that fight. And yeah. she didn't get the nod. So, right. kind of disappointing. Uh, next up, Vivian Arayujo. He got the unanimous decision win over Andrea Lee. These were two women who I think both have decent potential in this division. And, I mean, they've really – I mean, they're kind of at the point where they're making good on that. They're yeah. number eight versus number nine here. Vivian gets the win. Uh, round one was dicey-dicey. I mean, that, that Dude, was a, that was crazy. A hell of a round one. I mean – Yes. Uh, where – Andrea Lee hurt Vivian bad on the feet. Not sure how Vivian ate some of those. Dude, like, I think yeah. she got, didn't she take a shin to the face, too? Shin like, to the throat. It was nasty, dude. Yeah. Uh, but then Vivian ends up getting some monster takedowns in the round. Yep. And, um, yeah, Threatening with submissions every round, too. rest of the fight, though, pretty clear. Vivian just having that advantage on the ground. Yeah. Um, it, it, it went pretty, pretty much by the book after that, but... Good fight, solid fight, solid win for Arayujo. Um I'm not sure really where this puts her like next, but again, I thought she beat Kachuke here, so I'm down to see her fight someone in that top five for sure. And yeah, uh, yeah. Andrea Lee's a tough out. There's been a lot of controversy though, Dominic, about her corner. I'm not sure if you've been seeing any of that. Yeah, Do you have any thoughts on that? The old Tony Kelly thing, just you know, just nasty disgusting Man. comments that don't need to be discussed doesn't deserve the time of day yeah adrian yanez is uh, apparently <laughs> if, if, if yanez couldn't be more likable he's of yeah. course the next opponent so yeah. you got the all of mma probably rooting for him in that matchup but uh, yeah yeah um good win for Ryuzhou. it was michael johnson shout out this... to michael johnson my my man I didn't forget, MJ. I didn't forget. He got the knockout in the second round over Alan Patrick. 
Uh, he said that uh, after this win, like it kind of, it wasn't just winning a fight. It was like he he pulled himself out of a really dark place. Uh, sounds like he had just really not been doing well in his life, mentally, probably for on this losing streak. Yeah. What a what a nice knockout win. I mean, Patrick landed some few good shots. And fun fight. Down. Yeah. It was a fun fight. And then Michael Johnson doesn't get that 50K bonus. I mean. Yeah. Disrespectful, man. Yeah, two people clearly got robbed uh, from bonuses last night, and two veterans that are always in fun fights. It sucks for Michael, but a uh, great knockout nonetheless to end that losing streak. Still only 35. This I, I didn't realize he was still, you know, relatively just out of those prime years. I'm not saying he's going to get to a title shot or anything, but we're talking about a guy that was number six in the world when he fought Habib. It's just crazy this career that he's had has been a, a roller coaster. <laughs> True, and I hope that this is the start of something for him. Just see, again, I'm not, like you said, we're not talking title shots. Fights like the Bobby Green, Jim Miller, you know what I mean? Yeah, like I hope this is the start of him just raising his bar a little bit. Because, like, all the memes are kind of true. Like when they say Michael Johnson, the type to knock out uh, Charles Oliveira for the title, but then get 30-25 by Roxanne Monteferi. Like that's, unfortunately, that's kind of, an extreme way of how his careers really went where yeah. he's got wins, knockout win over Dustin Poirier. He's got wins over Tony Ferguson and Edson Mendoza, yeah. but then he's got losses that just don't really make a lot of sense. And I mean, some of it's been bad luck or getting caught. Like he dominated Josh Emmett. Yeah. Josh Emmett was not maybe the guy he is now, but close to it. And yeah. then he gets knocked out in round three, gets caught. I mean, it's just like, I think Michael Johnson still has some stuff left in the tank. I think that's what yes. we're both trying to say here, right? Exactly. And finally, we opened our Ooh. card. This one was a blink and you miss it. Yeah. If you were a little late getting to the couch, you probably didn't even see this fight. Andre Petrosky gets that first round, first just outside the first minute submission over the Diaz protege, Nick Maximov. Uh, Nick Maximov, of course, kind of – raising some eyebrows, not just with his impressive last performance where he got a win over Punahele Soriano. He used that gas tank and his grappling to get himself a victory. Then afterwards in his post-fight presser was calling for a fight with Hamzad, said, I don't know why everybody's afraid of this guy. You know, I'll take him on kind of thing. Yeah. Then here he gets put out in just over a minute, Dom. I mean, what are your thoughts on this one? Because Petrosky by submission, pretty big uh, odds on that one. Yeah, Petrovsky, biggest dog on the card from betting-wise and uh, the submission odds. I'm sure someone hit on it, and congratulations to you if you did. You know, he's he's 3-0 and in the UFC since losing on, on the Ultimate Fighter last year. He's got potential. I mean, I think that's his ninth win. All nine of them are a stoppage. He's built like a brick shithouse. The biggest worry for me in this fight for him was the gas tank, but if you're putting people away in the first round, Yes, the gas tank don't matter. So to beat a guy that was undefeated, though, Nick Maximov, that has looked seemingly flawless, that's an impressive win. I don't care how quick it came. He locked in that choke, didn't let it go. It was perfect. I was surprised when the odds showed Petrosky is that big of an underdog. Yeah. But then I actually was kind of won over by you. <laughs> but yeah. it made sense because you were talking about the gas tank. And I was like, yep. yeah, that's true. So I really thought that would be the – the factor here. I thought yeah. it was just maybe Petrosky would look good early, but then Maximov would just wear him down by exactly. the fight. 
but didn't even get time for that to happen. Maybe that would have happened, but we only saw yeah. about 75 seconds of fight time here. So good win for Petrosky 3 0. Yeah, keep your eyes on him. Balominic. Balominic. Balominic? That's all for the rest. Now it's time to get into the below average bet slip. Those the results. results. Uh, the result for Saturday night, we did go positive. We went positive 2.19 units, and that puts us overall at plus 7.06 units. So pretty big bounce back for yeah. your boys. Needed um, it. Dom, is there anything that really stuck out to you here about how things transpired? Um, no, I mean, we did great in singles, you know, four and two, two and two in parlays. It feels good to just get a parlay win. Yeah, cause it's, that's for, you know, for me personally, that's been where all the units are getting lost. I, I've done relatively well in my singles all year, but I'm losing big in the parlay. So while I went one and one here, you know, Jake Hadley, um, I was a bit disappointed when and Jake yeah. Hadley. So I think, I uh, you know, obviously betting bias there. I had him on the parlay with Davey Grant. That would have hit, but. Just he left a lot to be desired, man. We yeah. talked about it in the preview. He came in a lot of hype. He had the shit storm of a week on Dana White's contender series. And then against Alan Nascimento, shout out to him and the bleach hair crew, him and Charles Oliveira. But just he didn't show anything in that fight, man. So uh, looking hindsight, I'm like, oh, maybe he didn't deserve that minus 220. It's pretty clear, but I shouldn't have even risked yeah. it in his debut on the parlay. But you live I mean, and you this learn. Was, this was Nascimento's first one in the UFC. I believe he was 0-2 yeah. before this. And, I mean, he, and he lost look, on this contender. The Tahir Ulan-Bekov fight, again, I remember watching that very close. I mean, yeah. probably could have made an argument that he won that fight. It was a split decision. Yeah. Ulan-Bekov is obviously a pretty good fighter. It's just disappointing because I thought, I think I even mentioned this on when I we talked about this on Thursday. I said I felt like Hadley had bigger fights in his future. And yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know if you know about the, um, well, one of our commenters enlightened me to this, of uh, this being the one, I, I hope I'm oh, pronouncing yeah. that right. Yeah. But he had mentioned about, I think he told me this multiple times or told us, but Jake Hadley has this like long-standing beef with uh, Muhammad Mohaev. Uh, yeah. That goes back to when they were in the amateurs. And uh, I thought, man, that could be a pretty big fight. Down oh, yeah. Down, right? So now it's like, well, I don't know what Hadley's. I mean, maybe it's just a stumbling, a first stumbling step out the gate. But I mean, right. Nascimento looked huge here, by the way. You, dude, he looked like a featherweight. Looked yeah. like a featherweight. Uh, but I wonder if maybe they'll wonder. wonder wouldn't it be crazy if Mohia wins his next fight? They him and Hadley is the next fight. Like Hadley has to kind of hold on to his UFC career by trying to beat Muhammad Mahayev. I mean, that'd be an interesting storyline. And by the way, the way he looked in his debut, Godspeed to anyone that has to fight Mahayev. Yeah, I mean, seriously. But uh, overall, you're right. The parlays always seem to – they always yeah. seem so promising when we put them together. Like, again, that I was – I mean, my parlay was just dead. I mean, Hadley and Rackage both just not quite able to get it done. But – um yeah, besides that, really nothing else I could say. It was just I, I, I overall had a pretty big bounce back myself, so I felt pretty good. I mean, going to, let's just say the biggest part of the bet slip last night was the Span Kudalaba fight, right? We had a lot on yeah, the line there in, in numerous different ways. Well, it's Noah's a bit less in the ass recently yes. when we've, we've yes. put so much in one fight. And, right, uh, right. Couldn't have went better. Yeah, it paid off, baby. 
But uh, that's going to wrap it up for the results from the below average bet slip. And Dominic, as always, we like to end things on this beautiful Monday with closing statements. Dominic, do you have any closing statements for this Monday? I actually don't. I had a lot of fun on this episode, though, and I hope everyone has a great week. We'll be back Thursday with another preview. Do I have anything? <laughs> But we, we, for those that don't know the closing statements, we come off the rip. We don't script this stuff out. If we got something to say, we say it. If we don't, we say bye. You know what I mean? Well, I'm going to pose a question. Give me it. Let's go. Input on this. So, you know, I'm a big guy, so I've been trying to to lose some weight. You know, and uh, because of that, eating more salads, right? That's been trying. You know, something I've been Mm -hmm. trying to do. I'm curious what people's thoughts are on the heated debate between. I think it's garden salads versus Caesar salads. Ooh. Let me know down below. I like both. Probably prefer, I don't know if it, garden salad or house salad. I don't know if those are interchangeable, but mm. you know, something that I could put, I like an Italian dressing, you know, yeah. croutons. Yeah. And, Caesar's dressing is good. Caesar salads are good, but I don't know. I, I tend to lean to it that way, but I'm curious what your guys' thoughts are on the, on the heated salad debate. So um, let us make know. Sure to, make sure to weigh in. But uh, I'm Noah Baker. That's Dominic Salee. We're Below Average Joes, and we'll see you on Thursday.